Thanks for joining us here at Temple Baptist Church in Centralia, Illinois, where we are a community of people who are not perfect and don't pretend to be. If you would like to see other resources or learn more about our ministry, check out www.tbccentralia.com. Our hope and prayer is that through the following message, you are encouraged, blessed, and inspired to meet the Lord in a powerful way. You know, I was attempting to have a spiritual conversation with a waitress the other day. And I mentioned something about the Bible. And she said something kind of interesting to me that's kind of stuck in my mind. She said, I'm not really a Bible person. Well, I want you to know something. I am a Bible person. (laughs) And I hope that you are too. And so if you have a Bible, take it if you will and turn to 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1. And today we're going to talk about something that is a part of the human experience. Something that I'm sure that we've all felt at one time or the other. And I want to begin by asking you a question. The question is this, what are you afraid of? We're all afraid of something, aren't we? You know, I I was thinking about uh, something that happened to me a number of years ago now. I was traveling to Iowa to help a friend with a revival. And as I was driving home, I was agonizing over a ministry issue that was, I was dealing with in my church. I had an incredibly difficult decision to make. And no matter which path I chose, it seemed like a no-win situation. You know what? I was so consumed with prayer I drove 50 miles on the wrong highway before I realized it. (laughs) Ever done that? Well, during that drive, I became convinced that God wanted me to do something that was very much out of character for me. I was convinced that he was calling me to confront a man who had been intimidating me for some time. Now, I want you to know that I did not want to have that conversation. In fact, I was downright afraid. I was fearful of the outcome if I did nothing. I was fearful of the outcome if I took action. You see, I knew some information about this man that the rest of the people in the church didn't know. But I couldn't say anything without betraying a confidence. And see, I knew that if I confronted him, I would be misunderstood and there would be some people that would get upset with me. And I want you to know, I hate to disappoint anybody. I'm almost kind of excessive in, in that way and it's kind of a struggle I've always had. And... But in this case, I knew that by having this conversation that upsetting people was going to be inevitable. And so I wrestled with this this situation. And there was a scripture verse that came to mind that we're going to read in just a couple of seconds. And I could not 
get that scripture verse out of my head. And it kept running over and over again in my mind. So let's look at it together. 2 Timothy chapter 1, we're going to begin with verse 6. It says this, Therefore, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. Now let me ask you something, church. Do you believe those words that we just read? Because you see, our beliefs, our, our, our values that we, we hold serve as a filter for how we view people and how we view the circumstances that we have to deal with in life. Now, let me get back to my story. So I was traveling, and I stopped at a Burger King to use the restroom. So I go into the restroom, and I know you ladies wouldn't know about this, but, but I, I go up to the urinal, and there's a gospel track sitting on top of the urinal. And so it kind of caught my attention, and on the title of that track, it said, What Are You Afraid Of? So I naturally picked it up and began to read it. And would you believe that it contained the very same scripture verse that had been going through my head as I was driving on that trip? Do you realize there are 31,000 verses in the Bible... And this track just happened to have that one verse. Coincidence? I don't think so. In fact, I think it takes more faith to believe that than to believe that God somehow found a way to plant it there just for my benefit. Well, I went home and I faced my fears. And I confronted the man who caused me a lot of grief. And I want you to know, as I anticipated, it was not pleasant. I did make some people mad. But I have to tell you, I had a peace in my heart that it was the right thing to do. So again, I submit to you the question, what are you afraid of? Psychologists tell us that we are born with two fears. We were born with a fear of falling and we're born with a fear of noise. That's kind of how it starts in the beginning. But you know, as we get older, we begin to acquire a whole lot of other fears and they begin to accumulate. And, and as, as we become adults, uh, the list can get rather long of, uh, of things that we're afraid of, everything from the fear of rejection to the fear of death. And sometimes when we've had a bad experience, we make every effort to avoid that experience again. I mean, as children, if a kid touches a hot stove... He's going to remember that, isn't he? And he's going to keep that in mind to not have that pain again. So he becomes more careful about touching a hot stove. So fear can keep us from doing stupid stuff. But I want you to know that it can also hold us back. You see, many good ideas are laid aside because of fear. Many opportunities are abandoned because of fear. Many needful conversations never happen simply because we're afraid. Fear has a way of robbing us of our joy 
and, our, uh, and it hinders our growth. Fear can keep us from going to the doctor. Have you ever talked to somebody who's really sick and, and, and then you say, why don't you go to the doctor? Oh, I don't want to go. I don't want to hear what he has to say. Seems kind of stupid, doesn't it? But I've had those conversations. People sometimes don't come to church because they're afraid. They don't know what to expect. They don't know anybody. Maybe they had a bad experience in time past and they don't want to do it all over again. You see, all too often we take the path of least resistance because we want to avoid an uncomfortable situation and so we hide. But keep in mind that fear is rooted in what may happen and it often is not rooted in reality. You see, it's all up here. We, we envision the worst case scenario which rarely ever happens. Now, the scripture we read a few moments ago was written by the Apostle Paul to his son in the ministry, Timothy. Now, I get the impression that Timothy was rather timid, and maybe he needed a little bit of persuasion. He might have been afraid that he might go to prison like Paul did, and understandably so. But here's what I want you to see. Even though this was a personal letter to Timothy, I believe that it is included in our Bibles for a reason. You see, I believe that Paul's counsel to Timothy has some benefit and value to each of us today because God wants you and I to live courageously. And Paul reminds us here that God has not given us a spirit of fear. And so if you are afraid, don't blame God. It's not his fault. It's something you've created in your own mind. So what spirit has he given us? Well, the answer is right here in our text. We read it just a few moments ago. You know, by the, by, over the years, uh, a lot of my sermons have three points. And sometimes I, I wrestle and struggle with coming up with just the right outline. But you know, Paul made it really easy for me right here because the outline is right there, clearly spelled out in the text. I, I didn't have to come up with anything. It's just all right there, so we're just going to go with it. So first of all, God gives us a spirit of power. You know, I, I think back to the book of Acts, to uh, an event in, in biblical history known as Pentecost. We know that the Spirit of God came on all the followers of Christ. And ever since then, the Holy Spirit has been a constant presence in the life of every believer. The Holy Spirit equips us with a supernatural ability to do what we cannot do on our own. The Spirit is constantly shaping our character and empowering us to carry out the will of God. The Spirit motivates us to step out of our comfort zone to meet the needs of the body of Christ. And I want you to know, church, this power is available to each of us. We just need to surrender our will to God's will. You see, we have to surrender our will to allow this power to be released. We just need to receive it. And there is no reason for God's people to live in fear. 
Some of you uh, might recognize the name Michael Catton, and if you don't know that name off the top of your head, uh, you may be familiar with uh, some of the movies that his church has produced. Uh, just one example, there was a movie a few years ago by the name called Courageous, and it, it, he's had a, his church has had a tremendous impact through the Christian movies that have been produced. And he one time made this statement, the difference between the first century church and the 21st century church is that they were power conscious and we are problem conscious. We focus on our problems rather than the power that God has available. I think about a verse in Philippians that, that reminds me that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God also gives us a spirit of love. You know, power is, is all well and good, but you know, it needs to be implemented with love. You see, our actions have to have the right motivation, and love enables us to utilize God's power in the right way. It's not to be abused. It's not to promote ourselves. It is intended to enhance the cause of Jesus Christ. Fear and love. They're both powerful motivators, aren't they? But fear suffocates. Love liberates. The Bible says in, in, in 1 John 4.18 that perfect love drives out fear. And when our minds are consumed with the, the dangers and the risk and all the negative possibilities that could go wrong, it is a sure sign that we are not loving like we're supposed to. God, by his very nature, is love. And he wants you and I to embrace that love and, and allow that to be integrated into our lives. We need to see people. We need to view the challenges and circumstances of life through the lens of love. Have, have you ever said, I can't forgive so-and-so? Well, let me tell you something. If that's the case, if you've ever said that, maybe you're dealing with it right now. You're not loving like you're supposed to. That's really the bottom line. People say that they're not comfortable sharing their faith, but the truth of the matter is when, when people think that way, they're, they're not loving like they're supposed to. People say, well, I, I don't want to hold so-and-so accountable for their sins. That's their problem, not mine. I'm just going to stay out of it. But you are not loving like you're supposed to. And, and, and by the way, let me tell you, I'm not giving you my opinion on this stuff. I'm just telling you what the Bible has to say. I'm the messenger. I am communicating to you the truth and, the God, and God's word. Listen, if you will, to Galatians uh, chapter 6, verse 1. Brothers, if someone is caught in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, hopefully you guys in this group, you should restore such a person with a gentle spirit, watching out, for yourselves so you also won't be tempted so because we're part of the body of christ because we're part of a church fellowship there is a component of accountability that is kind of built into the system and we can't put our head in the sand 
When someone goes astray, we need to do what we can to help restore them. We often neglect our responsibility because it is easier just to turn our heads. Now, I understand that it is normal to be afraid. But folks, when we have this tension within us, this struggle that we have on occasion, we need to allow love to win. Fear is all about our own issues, our own insecurities. Love motivates us to look beyond ourselves to the needs of other people. And finally, the spirit that God wants to give us is a spirit of sound judgment. I'm sure you've all figured out by now that life is filled with decisions. And I suspect that most of us in this room at one time or another has made a decision that you later regretted. I'm sure most of you uh, know who Charles Stanley is, and probably most of you know that his son, Andy Stanley, has become a well-known pastor himself and written a number of books. And I just finished reading a book that the title kind of intrigued me, and I I bought it. It It's called The Best Question Ever. And so he doesn't reveal that uh, right off the bat, but then as he gets into it, it, he he shares what that is. And and, uh, let me tell you what the best question is, is he's convinced is this. Whenever whenever we have to make a decision, we need to ask ourselves the question, is it the wise thing to do? Is it the wise thing to do? You see, sometimes the decisions that we have to make, it's not necessarily, uh, are we, it's not something that is blatantly sinful, but it may not necessarily be in our best interest in the long run. And so I think that is a good question to keep in the back of our mind. You know, I, I am very grateful when I'm working on the computer that I've got a little do-over button there. You ever put something on the computer and what was I thinking? Or you spell something wrong or, or, or you have second thoughts about what you've just put on there and, and just a few seconds, just a few clicks, you can get rid of it and start all over again. Don't you wish life was like that? Don't you wish there was an automatic do-over button? But you know, it, it, we don't have that. It doesn't work that way. And so we've got to be very careful with every decision that we make. Sound judgment, or some translations use the phrase sound mind, suggests that we lay aside our personal preferences and we refuse to allow our minds to be consumed and even contaminated by the ungodly influences of this world. And we're surrounded by it. So we got to filter all of that out and use the Word of God as our reference point. We've got to be focused on making godly choices. Now, we don't have the luxury of erasing our past. What's done is done. But folks, church, we can look to the future with hope and faith and courage. May we make a habit of studying the Word of God, and may we allow the Word of God to guide our every step in life. May we follow the path that gives the greatest glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I remind you that it may not be the path of least resistance. In fact, it may well be an unpopular path, but I remind you that the easy way is not not necessarily the best way. 
This past year, many changes have taken place in the life of our church. And I assure you, there's more to come. And none of us know exactly how all that's going to play out, but I know this, our routines will be disrupted. I think it's a given. I know that change can be scary. The future is uncertain. And I've certainly had some pretty significant life surprises in the last couple of weeks myself. But I want you to know that God is never caught off guard. You know, I can't imagine God up in heaven and, 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 and when, when something happens down here on earth, he'll say, boy, I sure didn't see that coming. No. God doesn't work that way. But keep this in mind that, that an uncertain future can be the seedbed for fear. So we've got to be careful. But understand this, church. Fear is a choice. We choose to embrace it. We may not, we may, we may not have any control or those initial thoughts that trigger fear. But we decide whether we're going to just hang on to it. Uh, no, uh-uh. get out of here. I'm not going there. We, each of us, have to decide whenever we are confronted with fear. By the way, there's a song, perhaps some of you have heard it on the radio, called Fear is a Liar. The words go like this. When he told you you're not good enough, when he told you you're not right, when he told you you're not worthy, when he told you you're not loved, when he told you you're not beautiful, that you'll never be enough. When he told you you were trouble, you'll forever be alone. When he told you you, you should run away, you'll never find a home. When he told you you were dirty and, and should be ashamed. When he told you you could be the one grace could never change. And here's the chorus. Fear is a what? Liar. Keep that in mind. He will take your breath, stop you in your steps. Fear is a liar. He will rob you, your rest, steal your happiness. Cast your fear in the fire. Because fear is a what? Liar. It's a what? Liar. Okay, keep that in mind, church. When those fearful thoughts enter your brain. But I want to leave you with this. Fear is not always a bad thing. Sometimes the Bible refers to the fear of God. And in that particular context, fear is a good thing. We all need to fear God. That means we respect Him. That means we submit to His authority. And, and get this. Here's the good news. The more we fear God, the less we'll fear life. Fearing God begins by recognizing our own spiritual need and surrendering our heart to him it begins with inviting him to take control of our life you know over the years i've i've known a lot of people who have died i've preached hundreds of funerals most of them have been professing christians but not always and it bothers me when somebody will say Somebody's Uncle Bill dies, and 
And this guy never went to church. He never professed Christ. Yet somebody will make the comment, well, he was a good man and he's a better place now. No. Reality is he's not in a better place if we take the scripture seriously. You know, when I preach funerals for lost men and women, I may share some general principles about the afterlife, but I refuse to make false promises. And if you have never been saved, let me tell you something, you have every reason to fear death. Let me share with you something that Jesus said. It's recorded in uh, Luke's Gospel, chapter 12. And I say to you, my friends, don't fear those who kill the body. And after that, you can do nothing more. But I will show you the one to fear. Fear him who has authority to throw people into hell after death. Yes, I say to you, this is the one to fear. You know, I, I am so glad that Jesus had the courage to face the cross. We sang about that in some of the songs just a little while ago. And you know what? He might have been afraid. I mean, he was human, wasn't he? But he pressed forward. He knew it would be painful, probably the worst kind of pain imaginable, but he didn't turn back. Do you know why? Because of his intense love for you and I. And death was proof that Jesus is human. But I'm happy to report to you that resurrection is proof that he is God. And because of the cross, salvation is possible. But I remind you that it is not automatic. It only applies if you accept it and embrace it for yourself. There may need to be somebody here today that needs to accept the gift of salvation. But like any gift, you got to receive it. you got to take it and claim it for yourself. In just a couple of moments, as we have the final song, I'm going to stand up here in the front, and I invite you to come, and right now, even during the service, and talk to me and say, hey, I need to, I need to become a Christian. Tell me what to do. I'll be happy to help you with that immediately. If God has led you to this church and you want to officially make this your church home, I invite you to come and I'll be happy to share that with the church. But before we do that, I, I got something I want to show you. This is good stuff. Hang on just a second here. Are you ready? I got something in the bag to reveal. I've, I've been waiting for this. Here we go. All right. Isn't that exciting? Aren't you glad you came today? But I want to tell you, this is not just any hunk of concrete. I did not pick this up at a local demolition site. I want to tell you that I'm holding history in my hands, literally. Because this piece of concrete came from the Berlin Wall. A deacon friend of mine gave this to me. I think I must have collected a bunch of pieces and brought them back and gave them to friends. And this little hunk of concrete represents a wall that was in place for a good many years that separated two countries. It separated friends and family for a long time. And it's hard to imagine the emotions that were felt the day that wall was torn down. 
but we put up walls. We put up walls to keep people away. We put up walls to keep our distance from God. We have all kinds of walls. Fear is a wall. And maybe there's somebody here today, you feel like the sermon was just for you, that I customized it with you in mind, but I, trust me, I didn't have any one individual in mind, but I think the Holy Spirit can work that way. And maybe it's time that you get rid of your fear. It's holding you back, and it's held you back long enough, and you want to be set free today. We, we have folks that would like to pray for you, if you'll give us that opportunity. As we have our time of invitation, we have a song, as usual. And the invitation is the so what of the sermon. It's the action steps. And maybe you need to take action. Maybe you just need to pray in behalf of someone else. If you just want to come to the altar and pray, it's always open. I invite you to come. And if I can help in any way, I'm here for you. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life. And we would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, simply go to www.tbccentralia.com forward slash next. You see, here at TBCC, it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ who walk by faith and not by sight.